start where you are, use what you have, and do the best that you can consistently. Your small steps do not have to be grand to be great, and you can change worlds with a series of small, consistent steps. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello, and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, remember, if you enjoy the show, please do share it with all of your friends. Remember to review it, and let's all together raise the profile of HR and learning and development for everyone. Now, today, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking all about creating an impact on women in leadership. And I'm joined by an absolute expert in this field, Elizabeth Patella, who has been in corporate for over 30 years. She's she's lectured at various academic institutions on this subject, and she's the founder of the Institute of Achievement and Excellence. There will be a link in the show notes for those that want to find out more about that business as well. So do not be afraid. You can go straight through to find out all about everything Elizabeth does later on in the show. Now, Elizabeth helps women level up in nine life areas so they can achieve their professional and personal transformation goals. She does that to help them secure leadership roles and business opportunities, particularly in fields where it can be quite challenging. So, for example, at the moment, I know Liz is reaching out to diversity, equity and inclusion people in all sectors, but especially in male-dominated sectors like STEM industries. She wants to show how her experience can support their female talent programmes to improve performance in engagement and contribute and progress into leadership roles. She also helps companies better educate and promote their female talent and she accomplishes this through self-placed masterclasses, tailored programs and coaching. Her experience was also the driving force behind her fantastic book, Level Up to Move Up, The Three Forces in Achieving Excellence. And you'll be pleased to hear again, a link to that book will be directly available in the show notes. Now, although Elizabeth's focus is indeed on women, I personally believe her message is for everyone. And that's because Liz believes in being the change she wishes to see in the world. And she lives this by example. So today she's going to share what she's learned and implemented from her own journey. I'm really excited. Liz, welcome to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling amazing. Thank you for having me on your show, Nick. My absolute pleasure. I'm going to start with my first question. The first question I ask all of my guests on the show, which are Mm. what do the words human resources mean to you? Two words, but big, big meaning. For me, human resources is all about, you know, supporting, as it says, the human resource, the lifeblood of organizations from inception or induction all the way to conclusion or exit, both the organization as well as the individuals within that organization. It's a very, very wide responsibility and it's it's the fundamental reason why businesses can achieve success and what gives them the competitive edge against other businesses. But it's that intrinsic and extrinsic support to employees within an organization. Fantastic. What a great response. What a great start to the show. Well, we're going to talk a lot about leadership in particular, but I know that your particular niche, your passion is very much centered around female leadership. So why, from your perspective, Elizabeth, is female leadership in particular so important? Oh, there's so many reasons, Nick, why it's important. You know, in terms of of female leadership, women make up 
you know, 50% of the population. We are making decisions. And in fact, most times the decision for the entire household. And as you know, the world continues to grow and companies are more and more exposed over social media, through technology, et cetera, and people's needs and demands change. We want to see, you know, women, whether it's a, a, a different ethnicities, et cetera, diverse people want to see representation at leadership roles, in senior roles, in strategic roles. And, you know, women are no different to that. And in terms of, and this is just not my opinion, I, I remember reading a report by McKenzie and Company, their 2020 report. And they were stating that diverse teams, companies with broad diverse teams, are 45% likely to tap into new markets and 70% likely to see growth, profit growth. Those are massive numbers, absolutely huge numbers. And the, the downside to that is that they also stated that companies, there are just 15% of women in leadership executive teams, and a third of companies have no female representation at all. So for me, it is really, really important because it is something that companies can benefit from, the population can benefit from, and the client base of organizations can benefit from. Wow. Well, that's a great education for everybody. I know there's a lot of study reports out there. I'm sure the HR cohorts that listen to this will be very familiar with the, the benefits of diversity of thoughts on boardrooms. But as much as we know, as much as we read about these statistics, I think PwC have released a report. I've certainly read the McKinsey mm -hmm. one uh, myself. Yes. We're still not seeing enough change happen. Mm -hmm. There's still a huge you know, a, a gap in, in, in the number of women that we're seeing in leadership roles, although it's improving. It seems to be improving very yes. slowly. What, what steps can we take? What do we need to do next to try and try and change this imbalance? In terms of the steps that can be taken, it's two parts, Nick. One part is the woman herself. What can she do to level up herself, to step into that experience? And then the other part is the company themselves. What can they do to support, you know, the, the, the woman in her in her journey? And this is why I look at things both intrinsically and extrinsically. And I say to women, as an individual, look at where you can leverage the company's extrinsic offering. So when they have things like sponsorship programs, mentorship programs, training, take advantage of that. I have worked in organizations where there is an L&D offering, there is budget for it, and the company is saying to, to people, you know, step in, use the, the resources, and, and yet still no one puts themselves forward. We have to actively seek out opportunities. So that's one. In terms of the woman herself, that's that's the extrinsic part. The intrinsic part is for her to manage her own self. And this is where she has control. You know, is it some is it confidence you're lacking? Then look at strengthening that. Do you feel overwhelmed easily? Find the trigger points in terms of what, you know, causes that. So that's the, the female herself. And then there is the company. What can the company do? The company can look look at things like their processes from induction, as I said, all the way to the exit. They can look at things like, you know, do we have the correct programs in place? Do we have the correct training in place? Do we have programs that support women when they do want to step into those leadership roles? Even something as fundamental as the language used in job descriptions when, you know, the, the organization is searching for that perfect person for their role. All of sure. these things are things organizations and women can do to push that agenda forward. You mentioned in that first point that um, often there are these L&D programs that are available. There are 
sponsorship mm-hmm. opportunities available, but they're not always taken up by individuals. Do you think that that's, you know, I will ask you, what's the reason you think that is behind that? But also, do you think that that's linked to problems? Well, I say problems, but issues two and three, which is a lack of confidence potentially, or even because the language used maybe by the company doesn't always invite people in the right way to actually take up these courses. What do you think the reason is that people aren't aren't perhaps always utilising the budgets for the L&D programmes when there are potentially opportunities available? It can be a plethora of things. It can be the individual themselves where you know, they perhaps they don't quite feel motivated. They have a lot going on in their personal lives. They feel very overwhelmed and therefore don't have space or feel as if they, they don't have space for anything else. It can also be partly the organization where these programs are not, you know, communicated in a way that makes people feel, yes, it's something that's beneficial to me, or it is only geared towards the upper level of the organization because, for instance, coaching programs may not be available to everyone. So, you know, it, it can be a series of, of different things why these things are not taken on board. Okay, interesting. Now, what, what I'd love to do in a moment is find out a little bit more about how we can work better, I guess, to create a more <laughs> positive impact on, on our women leaders of tomorrow. Before I ask that yes. question, Elizabeth, I'd love to know a little bit more if you can just perhaps tell the listeners about your own journey, because you know you are an entrepreneur, a, a founder of a, mm-hmm. of a wonderful business that's passionate mm-hmm. about this subject area. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about where this passion comes from and your own journey. My journey, as you indicated in, in that wonderful intro, Nick, I have been in corporate for, for 30, th- over 35 years and lectured at different universities, institutions. And my experience has been mainly in male-dominated environments, you know, IT, oil and gas, banking, professional yeah. services. And throughout that time, it has been quite a challenge. Now, luckily for me, I have always been curious. I've always you know, put myself forward for learning. I've always been proactive in in making things happen and getting things done. And I have had the fortune of working with, you know, coaches and mentors, etc. But it still has been a challenge. You know, there, there were instances where in the IT sector, I was training very intricate IT systems, so Cisco routers, etc., you know, very high-end stuff. And a gentleman walked into to one of my training sessions, saw it was a female training and promptly walked out and asked wow. for his money to be refunded. Wow. Um, and I would say, for me, that taught me, it stung a bit. It's because I, I at that point in time, I, I just, it didn't register why. What, what I learned from that was for every one person that may not want your services, that may not think you are you are capable, there are 15, 20, 50 others who want your services, who believe in you, who think you are capable. So don't focus on that one individual or those individuals. Focus on you know, the people that you can help. And this is what has fueled me throughout my entire career. I kept focus on the value that I could bring into any situation, regardless of how small that value would have been at that point in time if it added value if it it helped anyone i was there and i think that i took that through my entire career and it has led me to the point where i am today oh fantastic well done you it it shows me you said earlier that you're very curious you clearly have a very creative mind i love that there's a story that comes to mind when you mention that and you may be familiar with it I'll, I'll, i'll try and do this quickly so as not to take away from the content but there's a story of two brothers that were shoemakers. I, I'm not sure where they go, but they go away to another country to build their business. And the country they go to, they discover when they arrive that no one in this country wears shoes. And the first shoemaker calls back to his family and his wife and his kids. And he says, this is this is a waste of my time. He said, no one here wears shoes. I won't be able to sell a thing. And he promptly returns home. The other shoemaker calls back to his family and says, 
oh my God, there's so much opportunity here. Nobody wears shoes. Pack your bags and move over. We're going to make so much money. <laughs> it just made, it was just really interesting the way that, that that individual that walked in and walked out, there's a certain mindset there that actually it, it, it's, it's really painful to hear about it, that people like that do exist, that are out there with, that, with such a closed mindset, really. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you have that curiosity and that creative mindset, you can have, you know, wonderful things can happen, which is clearly evident in your own career, Elizabeth. And we're going to sort of find out more about that as we go through. But I guess keeping in that that positive mindset place, that place of creativity, how can we then use or use your experience to describe how we can create a more positive impact on our women leaders of tomorrow? In terms of, of how we can use that, there are three things that stand out. One, definitely, without a doubt, it's education. Education, you know, it opens people's eyes, it, it, it broadens people's minds, and it helps women to understand. And, and not, I'm not saying that they don't understand, but for them to at least feel more confident with the thought that they do not need anyone to hold a door open for them. They have the key and they can put that key into the lock, turn it, open it and show up because they deserve to be there. So that's one, education. The next thing is exactly what you're doing, Nick, you know, having platforms such as this where women have the ability and anyone in in, in particular they they have the ability to showcase to share their insights showcase what they have to say share their insights with others and then the final the final piece is you know just taking advantage of everything that the world has to offer we have we are technologically advanced you know there are so many other platforms outside of what we are doing here and education that can be used and can be leveraged. So I would say, you know, those those three in particular. Brilliant. I have to say, again, it'll be in the show notes, but as you, as you say, we like to lead from the front. I mentioned that in my introduction. Elizabeth has a number of social profiles and she very much is uh, is vocal on all of those and, and is able to help people, whether you're on Instagram or Pinterest, or maybe I'll make sure those links are available for those that, depending on which social channel you prefer. So do check those out later on in the show. You've talked a lot about you know the ability to take on uh, different educational pathways to help with your development, the ability to get onto different podcasts as being one or different mediums to, to elevate your voice and to show that you want to, sh- to show up. Are there anything, is there anything else individual women can do to be better prepared for leadership roles? Um, it doesn't have to be women. I don't know why I've actually singled it out. We're talking about women today. I guess it could be for mm-hmm. anybody, but what can people mm-hmm. do to best prepare themselves for leadership roles? The key thing is just simply taking full responsibility for every choice, every action, every behavior that that person chooses to do. Now, I know it sounds simple. Is it easy? Maybe not. It takes courage. It takes a certain degree of confidence. You know, it it takes tenacity. It takes gumption. It takes drive. However, the responsibility of how far you move in life, how far anyone moves in life. And yes, I get it. Sometimes we are in difficult circumstances, difficult situations, and that can dictate, you know, how much resources we have. And when I say personal resources, I'm looking at energy, I'm looking at time, and I'm looking at finances. Those things can impact. But the thing is, I've known many people, I've lectured, as I said, lectured at different universities, spoken to so many people. And sometimes the one person that you think would not succeed because they have everything going against them, they just have that hunger to survive and that hunger to succeed, that they have blown all of the obstacles out of the water. So I would say, start with yourself. Look at the areas you have control over. Look at the areas that are impacting negatively on you. Can you eliminate them? If you can't eliminate them, can you at least reduce the impact they have 
If you can't reduce the impact they have, then can you work on your own triggers so that having to be in that situation doesn't trigger you in a negative way and help you, you know, make you lose your energy? It starts with you. It truly does. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think it's interesting because the new world of work now, you gave a, a, a little example there, of, you know, sometimes the people you don't expect that really show up. And actually yes. the new world of work now, with the, with the world of a virtual, as we are now on this podcast, but virtual interviewing mm-hmm. and virtual work, we're finding a lot more introverted individuals coming to the fore and in gaining more leadership roles because actually it, it the, those that show up and are loudest in the office now aren't necessarily having the same impact they would have had in this new world of work. <laughs> yes. And hopefully that's a positive thing. I really thought it was interesting as well and what you said there about, you know, taking responsibility a little bit. And I'm a big, personally, this is a personal opinion mm. here, big believer of remo- removing the word should from your vocabulary. Mm. If you ever say, I should do this, I should have mm. done that. You either did or you didn't. You've got to own that choice, you know, make that decision, take the word should out. And if you believe you should do something, just go do it. You know, if that's that's what's speaking to you. Be brave. Take 20 seconds of courage and and go for it and then own, you know, own what comes next. Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of us feel frightened, scared sometimes to, to make those steps. We know we should, as I mentioned, be doing these mm-hmm. things. But for whatever reason, things are stopping us from, from taking those actions. What advice would you give to those individuals that, you know, perhaps are listening to this and it's striking a chord and they go, you know what, I, I, I want to put my best foot forward. But I've got these things holding me back. So they're in that should world. How can we move that should to do? I would say be honest with yourself. The thing is, Nick, some of us are more risk averse than others. So, uh, you know, a single parent that that have children and he is or she is the only breadwinner may be more adverse to taking risk than someone, you know, living at home. And if if they lose a certain degree of finances, it's not too impactful. We all have a certain degree of internal risk involved. So first of all, know yourself. Secondly, look at what you can do with fairly comfortably, you know, still stretch yourself. We have those things called stretch goals. Look at what you can achieve and be realistic, as, as I always say, with your, your three main resources, your time, your energy and your finances, because it makes no sense saying, yeah, let just, you know, go for it and, and disregard the responsibilities you have as an adult. It's about making an informed choice. Now, there are certain times in, in, in our lives where, yep, you just have to go for it. That that's all it is. It's either a yes or no. So I would say, you know, if you are adverse to risk, Look at what you need to live minimally, absolute minimally, so that you take that that fear and that that scare away from that aspect, and then look at what you can do to move forward. And sometimes it is just as you know, just go for it. Yeah. Many people, many people feel afraid. You're not the only one who feels afraid of something new. We all do. I do at times, depending on, on how big the goal is, but I go for it anyway, provided that my foundation and what I consider core is protected and then I jump. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, of course, there are things we can do as well to help with this. So things out there like energy audits, we can do financial audits on ourselves, mm. you know, work out the things that are draining us of energy, things yes. that give us energy, where, you know, financially, the things we don't need, the things that we do, the essentials, as you mentioned. Um, so we're things we can do for ourselves to help us form those decisions. What about the companies, though? What, what can companies do better to support female talent? Well, one of the things that they can do better, which is, you, you know, re- recently it's part of, of no statutory right, is to provide flexible working hours. Oh. Simply because, you know, we live in a society where women are still still predominantly are the, the carers. They still predominantly are the ones who look after the children. So it, it, it only holds true that 
flexible working hours, it's needed. It's needed. So that's a step in the right direction. Another thing that organizations can do is look at what they offer internally. Look at their training programs, their sponsorship programs, their mentorship programs. Look at the levels at which they are offering these things. They can look at their end-to-end processes. You know, what do they do for the new recruits coming in? How do they treat the staff throughout the employee life cycle? When, when it's time for that employee to exit, are there robust exit interviews? And when those exit interviews are concluded, does the company actually implement anything that they need to to make the work environment and the culture more supportive or better or more encouraging? So there are many, many things that organizations can do. Hopefully, and let's listen to what you say, because I couldn't agree more with everything you've said there. But I think also, hopefully, we're seeing a little bit more of a move towards transparency from companies as well. Yes. I I attended a wonderful conversation. She's going to be a future guest on the show with Bev Thorogood. And and I I invited her to the guest after seeing a show, which was all about uh, menopause awareness and and how Mm -hmm. that can impact women at work. And actually, Mm -hmm. you know, we need companies need to be more transparent and more supportive of issues that do impact female leaders to know that they've mm-hmm. got that support there to thrive. That's what we want to try and create for everybody. And that includes, you know, p- pay transparency, includes mm-hmm. uh, support for things like menopause, which obviously impacts women much more than it, uh, than it does men. So, you know, there mm-hmm. are things I think companies can do as well from that side. And are you seeing companies starting to take the right steps? Are you seeing enough happen at the moment? Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. I think there are companies out there that that are starting to take the right steps. Is it sufficient? No, more can still be done because from in many organizations and, and as I said, you know, Nick, I have worked in quite a few organizations, it's still pretty much a checkbox. It's still okay. pretty much part of the mission statement or a lovely page on the website or a post in social media. So I'm not saying that companies aren't doing the best. We are living in volatile times, challenging times. Companies are trying, but there's still so much more that can be done. So much more. And what, what role do you think transparency does play in improving female leaders of tomorrow? It exposes many things. You know, transparency, one, for example, the pay gap. Uh, the, the second thing, if, if we're talking transparency in terms of policies and procedures and rules, it sort of levels the playing field. You know, yeah. if, if we're talking transparency in terms of decisions that are made in the boardrooms, it helps organizations and it helps people understand the direction that the organization wants to take easier, better, simpler. And it helps people to be more aligned with the vision of that organization. So transparency helps everyone, not just the individual, but the organization as well. Couldn't agree more. And we're seeing, you know, I work in the world of recruitment now and we're seeing Gen Z and the Alpha Gen coming through. It's really important that a lot of their decisions now are made on the company values and what are they doing for others and transparency. And actually, companies are missing out on some brilliant talent because talent are making the choices now where they're choosing where they want to work. They have that power. And I think it's really important now that if companies want to secure the best talent for tomorrow, 
they need to be more transparent. They need to really live and own their their values and their mission statements rather than just have them for, you know, marketing purposes, so to mm. speak. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Elizabeth, about the work that you're doing at the moment, specifically with with supporting female leaders. So the Institute for Achievement and Excellence, it's it's again, it's for everyone, but the focus is on 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 women, and it's it's helping the woman take control of the area that she has complete control over herself. And yeah. I do that by looking at nine life areas. So we look at things like the personal brand, the demeanor, how she carries herself, walk, talk, etc. Uh, you know, her personal style, her physical, mental, and emotional health. Those are three finances, her, how she looks at her future and how she navigates the professional world. So it's quite broad. It it takes a holistic approach to leveling up. So I like to look at it like a dimmer switch. It's not that you have to be perfect in any one area. It's not about perfection. It's about excellence. And they're completely different. Excellence is about showing up your, your best, using the resources you have, doing the best that you can and being the best that you can be. So we look at it across those nine life areas to help, you know, women level up holistically so that they can then tap into their genius, their potential, etc. And, you know, use that to navigate the personal world better, the professional world better, excuse me. And I do that through a series of masterclasses, online masterclasses, coaching, consultancy, negotiations, etc. Um, so that's how it, it all comes together. Fantastic. Well, I'm 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 a, a you know working as an executive coach myself, so it sounds a lot of this work is about raising awareness, and yes. it's often you know we we often teach the things that we most need to learn ourselves, right? And it's very easy for me to say to someone else I work with, you know, you need to be better with your time management, and you need to have a better work life balance. And I find myself. I don't live those values myself. You know, I'm, I'm working way too late, and I'm I'm advising someone else to do the things that I need to do more. But it, the, the truth is, we very rarely look at ourselves in the mm. what we are very rarely ask ourselves those questions. So it seems really powerful to me to have someone like you that female leaders can go to to help help raise that awareness to to know you know where their blind spots. Maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but is that is that kind of part of the journey that you take them through? Is sort of identifying blind spots, identifying strengths, and uh, tell me a little bit about the journey you take a you take an individual through. Sure. The the first thing that I do is we get them to do an assessment, and the assessment has it it contains questions so that I can understand where they you know where their strengths and I don't like to say weaknesses, but areas for improvement across sure. the nine life areas. And nine life areas sounds like a lot, and it, it actually is not. It again because it's not about perfection in each area. It's it's simply about you know their strengths and how you can show up as excellent in each area so the, the assessment they would go through the assessment and then based on the assessment that individual has many choices whether they want to do the online master classes or whether they want to work with me or whether they want to work with me via the company and the whole thing about the content nick is that it takes a, a sort of a different approach it's not the typical okay um Let's communicate like this or stand up and use PowerPoint like this. Not that there's anything wrong with that, yeah. but it goes a bit deeper. It, it It's all about almost personal development and how that can then be translated into the business environment. So, for instance, one of the things I talk about is narcissism. And, you know, if the woman is experiencing that personally what can she do and how can she translate that behavior into or the steps that she can take to deal with that type of behavior into the working world for instance if she has to deal with a narcissistic boss 
We look at things like not just confidence. We look at it in terms of the three C's, courage, confidence, and charisma, because it takes a certain degree of courage to have that confidence. And there's a certain degree of confidence that's required to have the charisma that is, that is needed to inspire others. Love see? That. So it is, it, is, it is a different approach, but all of the examples, the challenges, the solutions, the tips, the tricks are how, what you can do in the professional environment. Perfect. So I, don't, I don't know if it's the same um, assessment, but you do offer free assessment on your website, don't you, which talks about areas of your life that needs immediate attention. Is that the same assessment you're referring to? Because if it is, anyone listening to this can go to your website <laughs> and, and, and take this as a completely free assessment. It does give you a lot of um, insight into the background of what you're talking about, about those nine lives. I and mean, there's a number of other resources as well. So do go to the website. But is, is that the same assessment that you're referring to? Yes, yes, it is the same assessment. It is free. Just go onto the website, take the assessment, and then the choice is yours. You can either work with me or not to. You know, this is this is not about selling. This is about you realizing where you need to improve and where your strengths are so you can work on those and move forward in your career journey, both professionally and personally. Sure. It's raising that awareness we just mentioned, isn't it, really? Which is mm. really, really important. I, I loved on your website as well. You have, um, and it, you included a Judy Garland quote. I think it's the only quote I found on your website. So I, I'm really interested to know why in particular that one resonated, although the, the quote itself might give us some of that away. The quote says, be a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else. Tell us a little bit about why that quote in particular, because I think it's the only quote on your site really resonated with you. Yes, that's the only quote I, I believe I have used. That's that's not a quote that I have created. Sure, <laughs> Judy Garland. That, yeah. Yes, Judy Garland. Yes, that that really resonated simply because I think one of the one of the main reasons why I have been successful in my own life in my own career, it's because I chose to be authentic to who I am, to to to, to be my authentic self, and I believe in a world where you know there there is so much that can be given. The one thing that can differentiate someone, the one thing that where you can really add value is being your authentic self. And it's, you know, it, we live in a world where there's so much comparison to others. There's so much, oh, I need to be like this person or do what this person is doing to achieve the same level of success. And I would say to that, yes, to a certain degree. But then what differentiates you from being good to being absolutely great? is intrinsic to you the individual yeah and we hear it so often and it's almost it's become a cliche but it's so it's most important cliche out there really which is find yes. your why you know when you yes. understand that it, it, it can just power i mean look at you you're a great walking example of this Elizabeth. you found your why <laughs> and it's powered you into entrepreneurship to found this company to do great work to you know every day is a day where you are you know moving a little step closer towards your goal of empowering women in leadership roles which i think is absolutely fantastic i'd be interested to know what are the challenges that you are being faced with then you know you, you work we mentioned in the introduction here you're trying to challenge some stem businesses as an example where we know that females in leadership roles are is, is not very prevalent in those kind of mm -hmm. subject areas and those subjects what are the challenges that you're faced with when you approach these businesses and say look you know I want to work with you. I want to try and improve your, not just your leadership, female leadership, but actually equality, diversion, inclu inclusion across all, you know, diversity as a general rule within your business. Are, are you facing many challenges? Do you get much pushback? I believe the main pushback is the lack of a sense of urgency. 
okay. in terms of how important this is and and this can be to the organization to the to the women in their organization to the diverse groups in the organization and to the impact that that can bring to the organization so for me it's about the sense of urgency yes organizations understand that it's important yes they understand that it's something that needs to be implemented but there seems to be the lack of urgency of how critical it is to push these these types of agendas forward and one of the things i've realized is that f- for me it's you know getting them to understand that not only is it urgent it is urgent for for all it's not just about yeah. the executive team it's also mid management it's also the the the, the women or you know entering the organization because we all have something to contribute to the organization and it all adds up to the bottom line of the the, the company so it, i would say predominantly is the the lack of urgency and that that the benefit of of such programs can bring it's it's ironic i think because you mentioned right at the start of this the mckinsey report alone tells you mm. that the sooner you do this the the, the quicker you're going to get better profits more diversity <laughs> yes. of thought you know it, it the metrics are positive across the board i think in pretty much every study that i've read which seems crazy to me that anyone would have any kind of why they'd want to delay this because the quicker they implement the quicker they make change mm-hmm. the quicker they're going to see a better uh, results on their bottom line so do you do you think a lot of that challenge does manifest itself from the male people that are in the controlling those boardrooms because there's a fear there i don't know i'm just wondering where all the science mm-hmm. all the studies tell you it's you should be doing this now why would you delay it that is a very very <laughs> good question and the answer to that is is simply a human one we are naturally averse to anything different right anything different requires effort it requires understanding it requires tolerance and i'm not saying that you know the board doesn't have that what i'm saying is that because of that human nature you know we, we are designed for the path of least resistance sure yeah? yeah it's not it's not just about companies what what makes up companies people the majority it's it's predominantly people yes we have processes and procedures and rules yeah. but it's people and at the the fundamental heart of that we align ourselves or we find it easier to align ourselves with people we know people who are similar to us because anything else requires a certain degree of trust trust in the unknown yeah and as a result with with things being so volatile busy people are busy people are pressed for time etc it takes a certain degree of courage to invite someone who is different to you in your space and in a space where their decisions impact the direction that the company is going so even though it's not new ground we are asking people to change their attitudes their outlook something fundamental to them something that in their mind tribally it is a protective mechanism mm. it's not impossible but it's not easy either so what i would say to that is that we are moving in the right direction we are not moving fast enough however this is you know fundamentally perhaps why that fear is there the fear yeah. of just the difference being different i think it's the it's the fear yeah i think mean, that's the nail the head for me and we've got yes. you know there's a whole new podcast we could talk about unconscious bias <laughs> yes. affinity bias and all those things that play yes. into this but there is a fear it's that uncertainty and mm. we're, we're fearful of uncertainty and yet 
Um, it seems crazy when you look at the studies that uh, that back this up. And um, one question I want to—I guess I want to bring to the fore for those that want to find out more. I want to read your wonderful book, which is called "Level Up to Move Up: The Three Forces in Achieving Excellence." Tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind the book. Although I'm pretty sure people will have a, an understanding of that already, having listened to you so far today during the show. But also, in particular, what the readers can gain from it, because I read a wonderful review on this book, and the individual said this is a modern woman's roadmap to becoming unstoppable which i think is absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic tell us a little <laughs> about the inspiration behind it and uh, perhaps what the readers can take away the inspiration behind that as you rightfully said nick it's my why because i i honestly believe until someone does work on themselves it's very very difficult for them to move up whether it's their personal life or their professional life it's very difficult to step into a new space to step into a higher space because with progress comes greater challenge comes you know, bigger challenges. And even if someone is lucky enough to step into a leadership role without necessarily, and I say in quotes, doing the work on themselves, it becomes very clear (laughs) very quickly that this person is not a leader. They may be a manager, but they are not necessarily a leader, someone who can inspire people and bring people along the journey with them and help the organization achieve their ultimate goal. So when you work on yourself, you are prepared to step into those roles. And when you, you, know, you, you are ready to take on the challenges that your life and your business or your profession has to offer, and you are mature in that aspect, not only do you improve as an inv- individual and take your company along with you, but you inspire others along the way. And that is the ultimate Love that. As Stephen Covey said, trust and inspire. And it's so yes. true. Now, you, you're welcome to decline this opportunity, but it brings something to my mind. And there's a coaching technique called the five whys. I won't do that now. But I wondered, for those that are trying to find their why, would you be comfortable if I played a little exercise with you and asked you just maybe three levels of why? Maybe the first question being why you wrote the book. And I'll, if you don't mind me asking this, I mean, by all means say, actually, let's, let, let's move on. But I'll ask you the question and you can decline if you wish. But why did you write the book? Because we all learn in different ways. Some people learn through interacting, which is why I have the coaching. Some people need a program, which is why I have the courses. Some prefer to curl up, you know, under a duvet, their cup of coffee or tea and just simply read. We all learn in different ways. And I know fundamentally that the information contained, whether it's through the coaching, the programs, the book, is vital, it's helpful, it's useful, it can be life-changing, and not only for the individual, but for the people that that individual, the lives that that individual touches. So it's a ripple effect, and I wanted to reach as many people as I could, so the book was one aspect to that. Super, I'm going to go to level two. So why Mm -hmm. is that so important to you to reach as many as people as you could? For me, the impact, I want to have a massive impact. That's that's my desire. I, I I want to, you know, see women in leadership roles, more women in leadership roles. I want to see the confidence. I, I have spent 35 plus years hearing, you know, women talk about the tragedies and the challenges they face and how difficult the road has been. And they're not quite sure what to do, where to go, what to say. And I personally want to help as many people as I can at different price points and selfishly it just makes me feel darn good (laughs) we could take this many levels I'm gonna do one more last one why does it make you feel so darn good we all are here for a reason 
I believe my reason has always been to help in whatever capacity I can. And I guess that's a fundamental reason for all. Sure. But it makes me feel good because it makes me recognize that my impact is not just family. It's not just friends. It's the wider community. And why does that, that make me feel great? Because the more people I feel great, it's just, it's, it's just like a mirror. It's changing more, lives. Yeah, it's yeah. changing lives and the lives of that those people touch as well. Now, we could definitely take that further. By the way, Elizabeth, <laughs> thank you so much for being brave and, and, and going through that process with me. But I, I wanted to bring it to life because there are people that are going to be listening to this who want to step into leadership roles and haven't found their why. Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, ask yourself not why, not just once, but twice, three times, four, maybe even five times. Get right mm. to the heart of what it is that really is speaking to you as to why you want to achieve what you want to achieve. And I think if you can do that, then you can, as you are a walking example of, live, breathe and, and live a life that, that gives you meaning, that is authentic, which you clearly are, and actually makes a little difference in the world. So I massively commend you for that, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for bringing your passion to the show. I'm going to open the HR L&D vault, which are just three short, sharp questions. Opening the L&D vault. If you could give one piece of advice to the world, what would it be? I would say start where you are, use what you have, and do the best that you can consistently. Your small steps do not have to be grand to be great. And you can change worlds with a series of small, consistent steps. Wow, love that. Love that. I've got to try and remember that little uh, quote in my mind. I might re-quote you there, Elizabeth. Um, If you had the opportunity, what advice would you give to a younger you just starting out in this new world of work? Don't worry too much about what other people have to say. Listen so that if if there is something that you need to do, take on board and, and tweak or help you strengthen who you are, then that's fine. But don't let anyone take your joy away from you and keep moving forward regardless wonderful fantastic and my last question is what is the guiding principle or behavior that you've seen in every great leader that you've worked with a certain degree of humility because a leader knows that whatever he or she achieves it's not only because of him or her it's also because of the people that walk the path as well and it takes yeah. a certain degree of humility to recognize that and to act upon it. Love that. Fantastic. Elizabeth, it's been an absolute wonderful show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I could speak to you for hours. We could open up <laughs> conversations and Absolutely. More. Maybe we'll have you back to do that another day. But look, for those that are interested in finding out more, please do go to the show notes. You can find out the book, more about the book there. There's a link directly through to the site to purchase your own copy. It's called Level Up to Move Up, The Three Forces in Achieving Excellence. Of course, there'll also be a link to the wonderful website, which is achievementandexcellence.com. Now on that site, there are blogs, there are resources, and of course, that free assessment you can access. I'll also put a link to that free assessment in the show notes as well. Um, there'll also be links to Elizabeth uh, Batella's LinkedIn profile, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and her blog, all in the show notes. Loads, <laughs> loads of materials for people to get involved in. I just want to say a huge thank you again to you for joining on the show. And of course, if you're an HR and professional listening to this show right now or watching it if you're on YouTube uh, and you have or you need support with a particular HR and uh, recruitment related vacancy, then please do get in touch with either myself or my wonderful team at JGA Recruitment. Again, the link will also be in the show notes or you can access it at JGA Recruitment. Dot com. Just leaves me one more time to say thank you so much, Liz Patella, for joining me today on the HLND podcast. I look forward to bringing the next episode real soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR LD podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist 
HR recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favourite podcast channels. Till next time.